Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 96 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today I'm breaking down part two of my top 24 wide receiver rankings and giving my wide receivers 1 through 12 and player profiles for each as of June 21st, 2019. I'll be evaluating and updating throughout the offseason, and we'll have a final set of rankings come August and lead to your draft season. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, y'all, here we go with our top 12 wide receiver rankings so far come June. I did the previous 13 through 24 on the previous podcast. Also, Josh of the Fantasy Footballer UK stepped in to do two episodes previous to that, and we discussed our top 24 rankings as well. So make sure you tune back to episodes 93 and 94 to check him out. Also, make sure you follow him on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Let's get right into it. At number 12, I have Stefan Diggs. Diggs finished number 10 overall last year, but he did miss a game. He is at ECR 13, ADP 14, last pick in the third round as of right now. Stephon Diggs set career highs in targets at 149, receptions at 102, yards at 1,021, 100-yard games at 4, and touchdowns at 9. He's still yet to play a full 16 games over his career, but he did get in 15 last year. Diggs saw double-digit targets in eight games and saw 100-plus yards in four. Both he and Thielen were on fire to start the season last year, but as I mentioned in Thielen's breakdown on the previous podcast, the Vikings as a whole slowed down in the pass game over the second half of the season. Stephon Diggs was wide receiver nine at 18.3 PPR fantasy points per game over the first eight games of the season and wide receiver 16 at 17.1 PPR fantasy points per game over weeks 9 through 17. As I mentioned in Thielen's section, Diggs did perform better than Thielen down the stretch, though. That's my main reason for ranking Diggs a little bit higher right now than Thielen. I know that Josh has Thielen and Diggs pretty much switched. I've got uh, Thielen at 15. I've got Diggs here at 12. Matt Harmon, who is responsible for reception perception, which I highly recommend you look into with the uh, UDK through the Fantasy Footballers. Very, very useful information. Matt Harmon has ranked Stephon Diggs as one of the highest performing receivers in the reception perception model, measuring how good of a route runner is the receiver and on which patterns does he create the most separation, where does the receiver win on the field, and what are his best attributes, what kind of coverage foils this receiver, and there is a role that he best fits in. So is that the slot? Is that the outside? Is that a moving uh, in motion? Uh, you know, things like that. Deep, middle, um, over, uh, you know, slant routes, things like that. Is this receiver capable of excelling if tasked with a greater workload? So are they a volume receiver or are they kind of a low volume receiver with massive upside? This model has been able to predict somewhat Odell Beckham's breakout as a rookie, Allen Robinson's breakout in 2015, and the resurgence of Michael Crabtree not being done after a couple of seasons in San Francisco with subpar performances considering his hype coming out of uh, Texas Tech. All of this to say that Stephon Diggs is one of the most purely talented receivers in the league and could still see a breakout 
even though last year was by far the best for Diggs personally. Diggs is my wide receiver 12, three ahead of Adam Thielen, as I expect Diggs just 25 to become the number one receiver in Minnesota this year over Adam Thielen, 29 when the season starts. At number 11, I have T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton finished 14 overall, but missed two games last year. He's ECR 12 right now, ADP number 10, last pick in the second round. Eugene Marquise, a.k.a. T.Y., posted another 1,000-plus yard season, the sixth of his eight-year career. He had 966 yards in 2017, but over 1,000 from 2013 to 2016 to go along with his 1,270 yards and six touchdowns over 14 games, playing through a high ankle sprain to set career highs with 90.7 yards per game in 2018. It feels like T.Y. gets hurt a lot more than he does and feels like he misses a lot more games, but in 2018 was the first time that he actually missed time since 2014, which surprised me a little bit. He makes some big plays on deep bombs, of course, but he's somewhat quietly one of the more consistent receivers in the NFL year after year. So I kind of think of him as a, as a, you know, just kind of a deep route receiver, but he's not, he gets, he gets the receptions, he gets the receiving yards and he gets the touchdowns on a consistent basis. And he does stay healthy, but it doesn't seem so as he kind of plays through injury every, every week, seemingly. Hilton was the 11th receiver in air yards at 833, 6th in yards after catch, and 7th in yards per target at 10.6, catching 63% of his targets. He's never been a big touchdown guy, but he's averaged 5.7 touchdowns per season along with 1,157 yards in his career so far. My only concern with Hilton is the fact that the Colts all of a sudden have a ton of weapons after a couple of years of, of Hilton being kind of a lone ranger in Indianapolis. The Colts brought in wide receiver Paris Campbell from Ohio State in the second round, Devin Funches from Carolina. They get back a healthy Jack Doyle at tight end, and of course, still have Eric Ebron, who tied Devontae Adams for second in the NFL with 13 touchdowns behind only Antonio Brown's 15. Naheem Hines can also catch passes out of the backfield. All of these options are going to make Andrew Luck a machine. He's my number one quarterback heading into 2019, but the connection between Luck and Hilton is really solid, and T.Y. should remain at about 120 targets, 70-plus receptions, 1,000-plus yards, 5-plus touchdowns, which should make him a top-12 receiver. He's my number 11 receiver right now, but he could end up in the top 10 for sure if he stays healthy for another full 16. However, with more mouths to feed in Indianapolis than ever for Luck and the Colts, he could fall out of the wide receiver ones if Eric Ebron's getting those touchdowns. Paris Campbell comes up as a rookie. Devin Funches actually amounts to something. Jack Doyle stays healthy, and Naheem Hines is getting it out of the backfield. There just might not be enough for T.Y. to go around. But I do think he will probably get his annual numbers. So he's sort of a boom-bust option, but more consistent than a Deshaun Jackson, Will Fuller, Ted Ginn type, in my opinion. So T.Y. Hilton, my number 11 wide receiver. At number 10, I have Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper finished 19th overall, missed a game. He's wide receiver nine right now in ECR and 12 in ADP, going as a third pick in the third round. Amari Cooper had a tale of two seasons last year. I mentioned in my quarterback breakdown that Dak Prescott finished quarterback uh, nine, or, or excuse me, quarterback six uh, from week nine on, 
after Amari Cooper was traded from Dallas to Oakland. Now let's talk about the Amari side of things with that improvement for Dak. Amari was wide receiver 67 in Oakland from weeks 1 through 8. Wide receiver 67 in Oakland from weeks 1 through 8 with 9.5 points per game in fantasy. He was wide receiver 9 from weeks 9 through 17 in Dallas with 17.6 points per game. So he jumped 12 points per game moving from Oakland to Dallas. His numbers doubled at least from Oakland to Dallas last year. He went from 22 receptions, 280 yards, and a touchdown in six games with Oakland to 53 catches, 70 725 yards and six touchdowns in nine games with Dallas. Of course, the Cowboys will be running through the run game and Zeke Elliott, but Dak has shown QB1 ability and now has weapons all over the field with a full season of Amari Cooper, sophomore Michael Gallup, and longtime Packer Randall Cobb manning the slot now for the Cowboys with Cole Beasley moving on to Buffalo. The Cowboys should be moving the ball at will in 2019, and Amari Cooper will be the focal point of the passing game. We've seen some explosion games from Amari over the years, but doubt we've seen his best in a full season. I think that happens this year. I think that he teams up well with Dak. I think he fits the scheme of the Cowboys well, and I think they're going to pepper him with targets this year which they refuse to do in Oakland for some reason. He's still only 25 and heading in to his fifth NFL season, so he's certainly experienced, but he's still very young and youthful as his body is concerned. Dude's a special talent. He's my wide receiver 10, and I could see him finishing top eight. So Mario Cooper, my 10th receiver off the board. At number nine, A.J. Green. A.J. Green finished 44th overall, but he missed six games last year. He is 10 at ECR right now, so he and Amari Cooper are switched in ECR, and he is ADP 13 going as the fifth pick in the third round. So ECR and ADP have Amari Cooper one spot higher than A.J. Green, but I've got A.J. Green one spot higher than Amari Cooper. A.J. only played eight real games last year before going down with an injured right big toe, a pedal toe sprain. He missed three games from the pedal toe sprain, came back, re-aggravated the toe, and then missed the final four games of the season. His 2018 stats from those eight to nine games projected over a full season would have been 136 targets, 82 receptions, 1,233 yards, 10.5 touchdowns, or 268.3 PPR fantasy points. Good for wide receiver nine between Mike Evans and Stephon Diggs. He was wide receiver eight at the time of his injury in week nine. And those projected stats from 2018, I just read, are very similar to his 2015 season when he was wide receiver 8. If A.J. Green plays 16 games, he's a top 10 receiver. He has been his whole career when he's played 16. He's been better than that in most years. He's probably top 12 wide receiver 1 or even better in even 14 games. But last year he only gave us about 8 and was very frustrating to owners especially with the media and the narrative that he was constantly going to come back and going to return for the Bengals and people kept hope and probably didn't trade him, uh, probably didn't trade for him, maybe didn't make other roster moves and played him on the account that he might play. And, and it's very frustrating when uh, we don't get a full answer till game day. You can't switch your roster out. So AJ Green may have burned you a little extra last year. His upside is a bit hindered by average Andy, but he's one of the best peer receivers in the NFL. If he had a Pro Bowl quarterback annually, 
we'd be talking about him up there with Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, Devonte Adams, etc. I totally believe that he's he's a top five receiver in the NFL as far as talent goes. He's as good as those guys and has the track record to prove it. I love AJ Green, and he's a steal in the third round right now. I'd love to have him higher if it weren't coming off of an injury and if he had a better quarterback. I love the fact that he has new head coach Zach Taylor coming in from the Rams and using the Rams' playbook to start the Cincinnati playbook in 2018. If average Andy can be good Andy, AJ will be great. If I'm grabbing him in the third round with a top-tier running back or receiver and then a top-tier running back and receiver in the first and second rounds, I'm scooping him all day as my wide receiver nine. He's as talented individually as the rest of the guys above him, but lacks the upside because of Andy Dalton. Number eight is Mike Evans. Finished number nine overall. ECR has him at eight. ADP has him at eight. He's going as the eighth pick in the second round. Mike Evans has had a very solid career so far for Tampa Bay, and he'll be only 26 when 2019 starts. He had a career high in receiving yards with 1,524 last year with a mashup of Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzmagic, a quarterback last year, seemingly swapping every game. Nonetheless, Evans got his and made the most of his 86 targets, hauling in eight touchdowns. He had eight games with 100-plus yards and more than six receptions in only three of his games. So he was targeted downfield well uh, often and made the most of those. He was not peppered like usual with 100-plus catches, so I think that goes up this year. Evans had at least 1,000 yards in every year of his career so far, as well as at least 123 targets and 68 receptions in every year of his career. Very steady and consistent numbers with numerous quarterbacks. He's also had a career high in uh, yards per reception, which was 17.7 and 62.3% catch rate in 2018. With Deshaun Jackson now back in Philadelphia and Adam Humphreys over in Tennessee, Mike Evans could see 150-plus targets for the second time in his career. Last time he saw 150-plus targets, he went for 173 targets, 96 receptions, 1,321 yards, and 12 touchdowns in 2016, finishing as the wide receiver three overall in PPR. Now, he does have Chris Godwin poised to make a nice breakout in his third year, as I mentioned, at wide receiver 22. He's also got tight end O.J. Howard in his third year, possibly becoming a focal point in the red zone. But new head coach Bruce Arians has a heavy passing offense, and I believe that Mike Evans will be the focal point of the pass offense in general, especially between the 20s and should be down in the red zone as he's a huge, huge wide receiver at 6'5". Let's just hope Jameis peppers Evans, as we've seen in years past, and Evans stays healthy, which he has over his career, only missing three total games over five years. He's my wide receiver eight, but has legit upside to be a top five receiver overall if he gets back up into double-digit touchdowns. And if he does get back up into double-digit touchdowns, he could possibly match his career highs of 12 touchdowns in 2014 and 2016. One more receiver here before we take a quick break. At number seven, Mr. Big Chest, Antonio Brown, a little bit lower than consensus. He finished number five overall, missed a game. ECR has him at six. ADP has him right there at seven, going as a sec, uh, the seventh pick in the second round. AB has been simply incredible 
since 2012. His fantasy finishes are as follows. In 2012, he was wide receiver 32. In 2013, he was wide receiver 3. And in 2014, 15, 16, and 17, he was the overall wide receiver 1. Last year, he was a wide receiver 5. He has had over 100 receptions and 1,200 yards and 8-plus touchdowns in every year since 2013. Clearly the most dominant fantasy receiver in the last five years, year in and year out. But that all happened in Pittsburgh with Big Ben. AB is now in Oakland with Derek Carr. And I just mentioned how irrelevant Amari Cooper was and not often taken advantage of in Oakland over the past few years. Amari has all the talent to be a perennial top-end receiver, but kind of went to waste with the Raiders. Now, I'm not comparing Amari Cooper to Antonio Brown, but I am a bit nervous to see how this year goes and how the move out west is going to treat him in one of the most dysfunctional teams of this generation. Head coach John Gruden likes to chuck it, and so does Derek Carr. A.B. likes to catch the long ball, so all good things there, but my concern is how often is Antonio Brown not going to be double covered, and how often is Derek Carr going to be able to find him with accuracy? Luckily for Carr, A.B. was 7th in the league in yards after catch and had just 4 drops all of last year. Luckily for Antonio Brown, Derek Carr was 4th in the league in deep ball completion percentage and 3rd in accuracy rate. So once upon a time, Derek Carr was considered an MVP candidate, but it's been a while and got pretty ugly after a hot start last year for Carr. Antonio Brown can make any quarterback better, but I wonder if ABDC will be such a dynamic duo that Antonio Brown remains a top-tier wide receiver in fantasy. I unfortunately do not think so this year. They won't outproduce the six combos ahead of him on my rankings, Therefore, I have Antonio Brown as my wide receiver seven. Could he be the wide receiver one overall? Obviously. Could he be wide receiver 15? To quote Bjork, possibly, maybe. Before we get into the rest of my rankings and my final six receivers, receivers one through six, I'm going to take a quick break. And if you like what you're hearing here on the podcast and you want to find the Candlestick Kids elsewhere on social media, Please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. You can find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod, Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast, and drop us an email at tckpod at gmail.com. And please leave a rate and review for this podcast, whether you're listening to it on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Pods. It would really help us out to get your feedback. Please drop a five-star review. It helps to get the... Uh, Get the podcast moving around the networks and the search engines. We super appreciate it. Appreciate all the support so far. The Instagram page is growing. That is probably the uh, best network to find us. And I personally reply to all DMs on all mediums. So please find us, drop a line, and get in touch. Before we get into the rest of the podcast, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Stay tuned. Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. 
Anchor's the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. All right, we got my final six wide receivers going into 2019 as of June. Number six, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham finished 15th overall and he missed four games. ECR has him at four. ADP has him at six, going as a second pick in the second round. Odell was traded to the Browns from the Giants and goes from a sluggish Eli Manning to a vibrant Baker Mayfield. OBJ was wide receiver eight, averaging 19.2 PPR fantasy points per game at the time of his injury in week 12. He was on pace for 164 targets, which would have been fourth between Juju and Nuke Hopkins. 103 receptions, tied with Kelsey for 10th overall in the league. 1,401 yards. Seven right behind Michael Thomas and eight touchdowns tied for seventh with Julio Jones, Zach Ertz, and Mike Evans. Still finishing as the wide receiver eight over 16 games. So Odell would have been a top 10 receiver and uh, he finished 15 overall. But again, I, I mentioned in previous podcasts, when you're looking at guys who have gotten hurt and missed more than maybe a game or two, you want to look less at their overall finish and you will want to look at their points per game because that's the average of when they were on the field, how productive were they. That's a better uh, gauge of how they actually did versus the total points per game because someone like A.J. Green who missed six games and somebody like, um, let's say, Amari Cooper could have had similar stats if they played a full 16 games, but Amari finished 19, A.J. finished 44 because A.J. missed six games, Amari Cooper only missed one. So, Look at the average points per game, not the total points per game per se when you're dealing with players who have been injured, such as Odo Beckham. The issue with Odell, of course, is his injury history. He's played 16 games just once in his career in 2016. He's missed 21 total games. That's a season and a third over his five-year career. Odell has had 1,000 yards in every year since... <laughs> except when he went out in week four of 2017. He's had double-digit touchdowns three out of the five seasons and went over 100-plus yards in five of the 11 years, or excuse me, five of the 11 full games on a bad Giants offense with Eli throwing him the ball. Eli was 17th in deep ball completion percentage and 35.1 completion percentage. Baker Mayfield was ninth at 41.3 completion percentage. If... Odell can stay healthy, he will finish higher than Michael Thomas. I truly believe that. I, I don't know if that needs to be a bold prediction, but I'll, I'll call it right here. If Odell plays 16 games and Michael Thomas plays 16 games, I think Odell Beckham plays 
or finishes higher than Michael Thomas this season. I can't rank him that way because I can't trust Odell right now, but the talent and the potentially new, vamped Cleveland offense and the ability to make a play after the catch leans toward Odell Beckham. He's my wide receiver five, but could finish wide receiver three if he stays healthy. Now, he could also be out for <laughs> after a few games and blow up your team, but for me, it's it's risky, but worth it. In the second round, I might look elsewhere, uh, to be honest with you. But again, the upside is huge. And if you, if you re, I don't know if it's a reach, but if you look at Odell Beckham as your either late first round pick, depending on your draft position, or you get him on the turn at the early second, I would just draft accordingly and pick up some high upside guys later in your draft because Odell is one of the best when he's on the field, but his injury history is starting to take a toll. At number five, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju finished eighth overall. That's, of course, playing alongside Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. He is the ECR 7, ADP 5, going as the third pick in the second round. Juju has been one of the most productive receivers to start an NFL career in history. He's entering his third year. Y'all know how I feel about that. Hashtag stoked. Juju outperformed AB last year. In Pittsburgh, posting more receptions, 111 to 104, more receiving yards, 1,426 to 1,297, but AB doubled his touchdown put out of 15 to Juju's 7. Crazy stat once again, courtesy of Nick of Big Dogs Fantasy. Juju was tackled five times inside the two-yard line in 2018. I'll repeat that. He was tackled inside the two, or the, uh, he was tackled inside the two-yard line Five times. Juju finished wide receiver eight and PPR, but if he would have converted even three of those five for touchdowns, he would have been a top five receiver in fantasy, most likely ahead of Antonio Brown, who finished wide receiver five, as some of those immediately went to Juju or went to Antonio Brown for a touchdown after Juju failed to convert. Even with Antonio Brown as the top target in Pittsburgh, Juju had double digit targets in ten games with 15-plus targets in three of those games. He went over 100 yards in eight games and equated, uh, equaled his rookie season with seven touchdowns. Most impressive for Juju is he was the number one receiver in the NFL in yards after catch with 587. He's a massive help to any quarterback, and I, I really think that uh, Juju can take any play to the house, much like we've seen Odell Beckham do, and Antonio Brown, really. But I think at this point in their career, Juju is a budding star when Antonio Brown isn't heading downhill, but I think he's he's peaked so far. We've seen Juju hit two 97-yard touchdowns in his career, and both of those, one of them was a deeper bomb where he was able to outrun some guys, and the other one was a slant where he just stiff-armed a couple guys. Uh, you know, kind of Derrick Henry style and just burned them speed wise. So Juju can take any slant to the house. He'll primarily play out of the slot, which I like a lot. And I think uh, Juju is going to thrive in that role as the number one receiver. He was also second in red zone receptions with 16 and sixth in red zone target share with 29 targets. That is going to go way up, I think, uh, with Antonio Brown out of town because Antonio Brown was tops in the league in both of those categories as well and now he's gone in Oakland as I just mentioned so Juju should get even more work in the red zone Juju has already been a primary receiver in the league and he turned 23 in November 
He hasn't even hit his ceiling, in my opinion, and now he's the number one wide receiver for the quarterback that led the NFL in pass attempts in 2018 in Ben Roethlisberger. Antonio Brown leaving will change the offense for sure, um, one way or another, but Juju will have to adapt and, and get used to the number one corner, maybe double coverage every single game, but I think he will, and I think he'll succeed as he was kind of immensely productive in his first two seasons in the NFL. I think Juju would just be fine. I, I just, I really think he's a, a special receiver. It's hard to argue a better third year wide receiver in his opportunity and his floor and his ceiling are through the roof. I mean, his ceiling is he could be the number one wide receiver that we've seen Antonio Brown be. His floor, I think, straight up is probably top five, just with the workload he's going to get and this offense that throws the shit out of the ball and scores a lot of points. Juju is my wide receiver five, but if he sees north of 200 targets, which is certainly reasonable, he saw 166 last year with Antonio Brown, he'll be the number one wide receiver overall. He's a steal in the second round, and if possible... And if I could, if I had like the 10th, 11th, 12th pick, I might have a hard time picking between Juju and say Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, Evans, and Odell, or definitely grab him on the turn. He's not in the Hopkins, Adams, Julio tier yet, but he should be next year. He's also fun as shit to watch and root for, so I'm definitely Team Juju. Number four, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas finished sixth. Last year, ECR has him at 5, ADP has him at 3, he's going as the 11th pick in the first round. The first of the big four wide receivers for me, Thomas finished wide receiver 6 overall in PPR. He was a running back, or excuse me, the wide receiver, one overall in the first four games of the season, and was hands down the most explosive receiver to start 2018 aside from Adam Thielen. I went over Adam Thielen's stats in the previous episode if you want to check all that out, but Adam Thielen and Michael Thomas were both molten lava to start 2018. Thomas finished fourth in target share, 28.8%. He had 147 targets. He had 9.2 per game. He was ninth in red zone target share, 30.5% which is off of 29 targets. Very good, especially if, you know, with Drew Brees likes to likes to pepper him in the end zone. But he was first in red zone receptions in general. So once he got inside the 20, Michael Thomas was the guy with 24. However, oddly enough, he was 60th in end zone target share at 18.2 on just six targets. So he was ninth in red zone target share, but 60th an end zone target share. So ninth between the 20 and the goal line and 60th between the five and the goal line. Very odd stat there. He was first in receptions, 125, which was a career high. Sixth in receiving yards, 1405, which was another career high. And sixth in yards per route run at 2.89. He was seventh in air yards, 928, 6.3 per target. He was 8th in total touchdowns with 9 and 6th in fantasy points per game at 19.7. Michael Thomas had the number one catchable target rate with 95.2 on 140 targets. Not a surprising stat considering I believe Drew Brees is still one of the top three quarterbacks in NFL football. I know he's not anymore in fantasy with everybody else lighting up the scoreboards, but... 
Drew Brees is still one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, and he can make any throw at any time, and Michael Thomas is a beast going to get the ball. His catch rate was 85%, and contested catch rate was 73.9% on 23 targets. I still think Drew Brees is underrated, to be honest with you, as an NFL quarterback at least. Julio saw double-digit targets in six games, uh, including... Um, or Julio, excuse me, Michael Thomas, <laughs> jumped ahead. Michael Thomas saw double-digit targets in six games, including the playoffs, and he had double-digit catches in seven games, surpassing 100 yards five times. Over 170 yards in three games. He had 180 um, in week one. He had 211 in week nine and he had 170 in the divisional round playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles. So he surpassed 100 yards five times and he surpassed 170 yards receiving in three games. He averaged just under 90 yards per game, 87.8 yards per game. From weeks one through three, Thomas was incredible, posting 17 targets, 19 receptions, 180 yards, and a touchdown. In week one, 13 targets, 12 receptions, 89 yards, and two touchdowns in week two, and 10 targets, 10 receptions, 123 yards in week three. That's 40 targets, 38 receptions, just two incompletions on 40 targets for 398 yards and three touchdowns, equaling 91.8 PPR fantasy points per game, or excuse me, total 91.8 PPR fantasy points total, or 30.6 PPR fantasy points per game. All that said, though, if you subtract the first three tremendous games from Michael Thomas, he would have been roughly wide receiver seven in PPR, so not bad, but not top five. Certainly not the number one receiver that he was in weeks one through three. He would have had 17.3 points per game compared to his 30.6 over the first four games. So I love Michael Thomas. And I know that he can hit wide receiver three, but with the Saints ranking 29th in team pass plays run with only uh, 33.7 per game and Latavius Murray coming into tag team with Kamara, I see the Saints continuing to run the ball quite a bit. Michael Thomas will get his, of course, and stay this efficient, I think, with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So he's worth his ADP as a top five wide receiver, but I don't think he can go up from there with not having the upside that the rest of these guys possess that I'm I'm going to bring up here. So he's my wide receiver four. I feel good about it. But if Odell Beckham Jr. wasn't coming off of injury, Juju wasn't the num- the new number one, uh, getting used to that in Pittsburgh, and A.B. was still in Pittsburgh, I think Thomas would probably be behind all those guys, so around maybe wide receiver seven. So that said, he's an animal and will be flexing on all the defenders who, in fact, can't guard Mike but I can't put him right now in my top three just yet. At number three, though, Julio Jones, my favorite receiver in the NFL. Julio finished four overall last year. He is number two in ECR. He's number four in ADP, the last pick in the first round. Julio Jones finished wide receiver three overall in PPR behind Tyreek Hill by just 2.2 total, uh, total points in PPR. Jones finished 6th in target share, 28.1%. 170 targets was 1st in the league. 10.6 targets per game. That's incredible. Double-digit targets by any receiver is unbelievable. 
22nd in red zone target share at 23% on 17 targets, 21st in end zone target share, 32% on 10 targets, third in receptions at 113, first in receiving yards at 1,677 receiving yards, which is a new career high for Julio Jones. First in yards per route run at 3.25, and he was second in air yards, 1,227, 7.2 per target, 12th in total touchdowns with eight, none through the first seven games, of course. I'm sure you'll remember if you had him on your team last year, and fifth in points per game at 20.4. Julio also had the most target distance with 2,417 yards of target distance. Now, of course, that doesn't mean he caught all that yardage. Now, his, his receiving yardage was 1677, but his target yardage of possible yards caught, essentially, on targets, 2,417. Unbelievable. Julio saw double-digit targets in nine games and had double-digit catches in three, surpassing 100 yards 10 times. He had over 140 yards in four games. He averaged over 90 yards per game at 104.8 yards per game. And somehow, 170 targets was not Julio Jones' career high. He had 203 targets in 2015. He's had more than 1,400 yards in five consecutive seasons. He's averaged over 100 yards per game in five of the last six seasons. And insanely, he's only had double-digit touchdowns once in his career way back in 2012. How's the best receiver in the NFL, in my opinion, not scoring 15 touchdowns per game or f- per year? 15 would be some kind of record. 15 per year, I think, is absolutely reasonable. Julio Jones should be catching 15 touchdowns every single season. Dumb. Hopefully he gets there this year. Probably the most ridiculous stat that I've come across this entire offseason is the fact that Julio Jones has two less 100-yard games at 49 than he does total touchdowns at 51 in his career. That simply just doesn't make sense. I'll read it again. Julio Jones has two less 100-plus yard games at 49 than he has total touchdowns in his career at 51. He should have nearly 100 touchdowns easy at this point in his career with the talent and the numbers otherwise. It's really a true mystery, I think. Julio will have former and now new offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter calling the plays again in Atlanta during Cutter's first stint with the Falcons from 2012 to 2014 Julio had 129 targets 79 catches 1198 yards and 10 touchdowns in 2012 he only played five games in 2013 due to injury but he hit career highs of 163 targets 104 catches 1593 yards and six touchdowns in 2014. So in 2014, he had career highs at that time with Dirk Cutter. I believe Julio Jones is the best overall all-around receiver in the NFL, but unless he scores 10-plus touchdowns, he won't be able to outpace Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins. If he does hit double-digit targets, though, with Dirk Cutter, as he did in 2012, and hits his annual 100 catches, 1,400 yards, he'll be the number one wide receiver by a bunch. I know he can do it, but I have him as my wide receiver three just behind Nuke and Adams because I can't quite count on the touchdowns as of right now that I can with the other two. But Julio Jones is due for the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. 
He is pretty much there in every other category. He just needs to get those double-digit touchdowns. He could definitely do it this year. And if I miss out on Nuke or Hopkins in in uh, or excuse me, Nuke or Adams in the uh, beginning of the first round, depending on how the running backs fall and stuff like that, I am looking for Julio Jones for sure in the back of the first round. And in the flop, I would probably like to pair him with Juju or Beckham for the upside have the floor of Julio Jones and have that upside of Beckham or Juju Smith-Schuster if you miss out on those wider uh, running backs early I think that could be a very very nice start to your lineup okay my final two I don't think much of a surprise here to most people's rankings but it's just a matter of who you have first at number two I have Devontae Adams who finished second overall last year he missed a game ECR has him at three ADP has him at two going as the eighth pick in the first round Devontae finished number two overall in PPR, trailing DeAndre Hopkins by only three and a half total points at the end of the season. Hopkins played a full 16, though, and Devontae only played 15. So Devontae probably would have outpaced him if he had that extra game. Adams is once again getting praise from his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, saying, quote, I'd like to throw Devontae more. He's that open. We've got to find ways to get him the ball, end quote. What Rodgers says Rodgers gets, and that definitely helps Adams for sure. Adams finished third in target share, 29.1%. Second in targets with 169, just one behind uh, Julio Jones, 11.3 per game. So more than Julio Jones per game because, again, he finished uh, in just 15 games, not the full 16. So if, if, De- if Devontae Adams played the 16th game, he would have outpaced Hopkins as the number one wide receiver, and he would have paced uh, – Julio Jones in targets. He was first in red zone target share, which we see him getting just absolutely peppered in the red zone. 44.3% on 31 targets. So an unbelievable stat there. That's a great, great stat for your fantasy wide receiver. First in red zone target share, 44.3%. Definitely helps that Aaron Rodgers is throwing those balls as well. He was 10th in end zone end zone target share at 38.9% on 14 targets, 5th in receptions with 111, 7th in receiving yards 1386, 15th in yards per route run at 2.54 and fantasy points per route at 0.6 yard, uh, points per route. He was 6th in air yards at 929, 5.5 per target. He was 2nd in total touchdowns with 13 behind only Antonio Brown tied with Eric Ebron, as I mentioned earlier, and first in fantasy points per game at 21.8. Just 71, or excuse me, just 75.1% of his targets were deemed catchable. He had eight drops. So Rodgers likes to chuck them. We know that he likes to scramble, throw up bombs, and you know Devontae catches most of them, but 75% of those were deemed catchable, and he had eight drops, and he still posted the numbers that he did in only five, uh, five games. Devontae saw double-digit targets in all but six games and had double-digit ta- catches in three games, surpassing 100 yards five times. He averaged just over 90 yards per game, 92.4 yards per game, and Adams exploded for 169 targets from weeks one through, or excuse me, um, let's see, he exploded for 169 targets uh, from 117 in 2017. So excuse me. So he had 2000, or he had 117 targets in 2017. He boosted that all the way up 
169. 169, so 52 more targets he had in 2018 from 2017, and he saw a 500-plus yards increase as well from 2017 to last year. Rodgers played hobbled all last season after getting hurt opening night versus Chicago. He'll be healthy and out to prove that he's still, quote, Aaron Rodgers. After missing the playoffs for the last couple of game, uh, years for the Packers, I, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be on fire this year, assuming he stays healthy. There are some up-and-coming receivers in Green Bay, uh, such as Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who could actually be the number two for the Packers. Keep an eye on that. Equinemia St. Brown, Jamal Moore, Jay Kumaro, and rookie tight end Jace Sternberger, along with Jimmy Graham. So there's a lot of mouths to feet in Green Bay, but Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Because there are so many options in Green Bay, albeit not in the same tier as Adams, Devontae is my wide receiver, too. There's a lot of mouths to feed here, and as much as Rodgers loves Devontae Adams, Hopkins, and Watson have the same BFF qualities, and for me, hold the edge. So, at number one, my number one wide receiver, heading into 2019, as of June, DeAndre Hopkins. Finished number one overall. ECR has him number one overall. He is going with ADP, number one overall, and the sixth pick in the first round and pretty much most people's first pick after the top four or five uh, running backs. DeAndre played hurt last year and finished wide receiver overall in PPR, beating out Devontae Adams by 3.5 total points, as I just mentioned. Adams would have outpaced Hopkins over 16 games, though. He played uh, 15 compared to Nukes, full 16 and averaged 22 points per game, where Hopkins averaged 21 points per game. Nonetheless, Hopkins finished first overall, hurt Hopkins reflected on his 2018 season by saying quote last year was tough not just physically but mentally it was the most banged up I've ever been playing football I was dealing with some serious injuries a lot of people would have sat out for but we had a good team that depended on me and I never gave a thought of not playing unless the doctors told me I couldn't end quote Hopkins finished first in target share 32.9 percent fifth in targets with 163 10.2 per game. Third in red zone target share, 32.9% on 25 targets. Sixth in end zone target share, 44.4% on 20 targets. Second in receptions, 115, which is a new career high. Receiving yards, 1572, which is another new career high. Yards per route run at 3.26. And fantasy points per game at 0.69. He was third in air yards, at 1,217, 7.5 per target, fourth in total touchdowns at 11, and third in fantasy points per game at 20.8. Just 79.8% of his targets were deemed catchable. Even so, he only dropped two passes on the season, and he set an NFL record with 105 catches without a drop. 105 consecutive receptions, targets, without a drop. He was... At double-digit targets in all but five games and had double-digit catches in four, surpassing 100 yards seven times and surpassing 140 yards receiving four times. He averaged nearly 100 yards per game at 98.3 yards per game. Hopkins has seen at least 150 targets in five straight seasons, and Watson is set to be, quote, light years ahead of where he was last year, end quote. And 
I just mentioned that Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers have a very, very good connection. I think that that is starting to happen on a on an elite level for Hopkins and Watkins. Let's not forget that they both went to Clemson as well. So that's a nice uh, nice college connect um, to double up with the, with the pro attributes, of course. So sure, Will Fuller and Kiki Cutie will take away some work, but Nuke Hopkins is on the next level. And if he's healthy and they're needing a first down or a touchdown, best believe Nuke will get the first look from Watson. He's my number one receiver. Devontae has a few more mouths to feed. Julio Jones doesn't have the t- touchdown upside, and I just don't think Michael Thomas has the upside in general. More of a, a possession guy, although a great, great, great floor. Not sure about Juju yet. Odo Beckham has injury concerns. So at number one wide receiver, for my 2019 wide receiver rankings, as of June, I've got DeAndre Hopkins. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. You can find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod and Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. If you've gotten any value from this podcast at all, please leave a rate and review from the podcast and please give us a like and a follow on social medias. It really does mean the world to us. Make the most of the rest of your day, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sky Guasco, and I am out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.